okay, we, we got it. It's, it's time. Let's do this. <laughs> Welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. I am so excited to share this episode with you today. I'm talking to Amy Day of Back Pocket Juju, and we geek out about teaching yoga, about applying the tools of yoga, and really get into how we can take this individual practice and move it outward into the world. A couple of things to note. I made an error in our recording, so my mic sounds echoey and crappy. Hopefully you won't hold that against us because Amy still sounds great and she's the person I really wanted you all to hear from. You hear from me all the time. Speaking of which, you can find this and all episodes of Yoga for the Revolution at yogafortherevolution.org. Subscribe at all the places where podcasts are. Hit me up on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm also on Twitter at Y underscore F underscore T underscore R. Without further ado, here is Amy Day and myself getting into the juicy stuff about Instagram and sharing tea with strangers in a van. Today we're talking to Amy Day of Back Pocket Juju. Amy's a yogi, a writer, a herbalist, a mama, and a lover of all things creative, Hi everyone. Well, yeah, that that's it. I basically I before I was doing the whole yoga thing, I thought my life would play out on the stage and then I switched to this. I have felt really really grateful to have kind of stumbled upon the healing path and I I really um feel um grateful to have the tools of this lineage and this practice to be able to share with um with the larger community so that they can, you know, fill their own back pocket toolkits up. There's something that happens at least to me on Instagram where I recently just had to unfollow. I had to unfollow a bunch of wellness programs, a bunch of publications, magazines, yogis, because I was realizing that looking at the food they were making or the poses they were doing or whatever it is, looking at that was actually making me feel less good. You feel like shit. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, not only do I not feel good about my life, I feel less good about my work because I'm not promoting like that. And it looks as if there's only one way to promote. And we talked about this a little bit, you know, before this conversation. We know in our hearts there's not just one way to promote. But the way that the wellness community is showcasing itself or has historically showcased itself, it historically showcases itself as if there is only one kind of person who does this, benefits this, and is worthy of this work. And that kind of person is usually a skinny white woman who has money and is already flexible. Born a dancer, so-and-so, you know, and then you're like, well, I'm right, right, right. (laughs) Or I'm some of them, or I should be better at this, so why aren't I in a headstand or side pro right now. I think where my head goes now when I look at some of that stuff, and yeah, I have the same thing where I'm just like, you know, I just can't look at this anymore because it doesn't aid 
me and what I feel called to be doing right now. You know, I'm like, wow, look at that amazing smoothie bowl presentation. Huh, my kitchen's a mess, whatever. You know? <laughs> and we know intellectually that that beautiful smoothie bowl presentation, whatever it is, probably took 45 minutes or something just to put together <laughs> to filter and everything. And right outside the frame, are tops of strawberries and like a mess of spinach and maca powder and we know it's a mess. And and maybe, you know, some crazy children running around saying like, mama, why can't we just drink the damn smoothie when you have to photograph it a million times? Yeah. So that for me is, yeah, I've had to kind of walk away from that as well because it doesn't, but when, when I look particularly, especially when, you know, kind of the postural element, when you see like all these yoga challenges, right on Instagram and you see all this gorgeous photography of gorgeous poses in gorgeous places. And I know as a longtime practitioner, how long it takes for most of us to get to these quote unquote advanced postures. And the first place my head goes nowadays is, wow, what would the world look like if you spent a third of that time volunteering? If all the time that you put into, you know, perfecting this variation on a variation on a variation on Parjva, you know, Bakasana or what have you, What would it look like if you put a third of that effort into building relationships or, you know, adding something back to your community or calling your local congressman? I mean, and maybe they're doing that. I don't know. But that's where my head goes, because I know I have limited time and resources. And if I'm going to perfect every single advanced yoga posture, it takes away. It takes away what I have in my cup to give back to the world. And so I get really disillusioned nowadays when I see all these advanced yoga postures because I'm like, damn it, that's that's not it. Like, that's just, what is that? That's not needed. This is not the world we live in. I don't think we need a bunch of people who aspire to the perfect headstand. We need a bunch of people who see that yoga is you know, what does yoga look like in the community, in our relationships, in our bodies, in our, it just, it, yeah, <laughs> I, I could go on for a while. It's just like, come on, guys, we're moving all the resources in the wrong direction. It's time to put them back out into the world. I think that that's a great bridge to build because it, it does really articulate the difference between performative yoga and yoga-based action in the world which is something I would love to talk to you more about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's say we could, you know, do a little blink of our eyes, like I dream of Jeannie and Instagram could change. And everyone who is doing performative yoga could be doing heart forward action oriented yoga. What do you think that that might look like? I feel like we would be seeing a lot of raw human interactions, you know? I think there'd be a lot more poetry. I think there'd be a lot more real connection. You know, it's like when we've had these conversations leading up to this up until now, something that keeps just playing at the back of my my mind is, I know what we're is like sponsor, you know, a Yamas and Me Challenge, you know, where every day there's one of those, you know, one of the ethical concepts that we're working, you know, with. And, and the challenge is not to like, how does this show up in your postural practice? But okay, this week, guys, we're working with the topic of satya. We're looking at truthfulness. And we're, the challenge is to go out into the world and see how that shows up in your interactions, in your community. How do you, how do you share truthfulness in your voice? It would look a lot less sexy, right? I mean, because it's like you're taking a picture of truthfulness. It's not something that you can really depict in an arm balance. It's something that you would, you know, you'd be showing 
what it is to have a difficult, heartfelt conversation and still stay true to yourself. You know, if you're looking at the challenge for the week is Santosha, right? That's not something, you know, we're not necessarily showing each other pictures of beautiful smoothie bowls. We're showing each other pictures of like, here's what my closet looks like after I gave half of my belongings to people who needed them more than I did. You know, here's what it looks like for me to just find contentment in this moment, um, even though there's so many problems happening in and around me. It would be it would be such a conversation shifter, you know, if we really looked at it's just, you know, I had a conversation yesterday about it's this self-feeding loop, right? Because we have this idea of yoga, the way it's presented in a, in a commodified way, um, it keeps us limited to this notion. Like, you know, you have to be at a certain place, you have to have a certain body type, you have to roll out a mat in order to actually do yoga. You have to have a certain amount of time allotted and it really keeps us from looking at this whole life landscape as a place to do our practice, you know, because it's, I mean, what are we doing? We're content, we're, we're into, we're moving into deeper relationship with our own body and our own intuition and heart. We're being in sync with our own breath. We're listening, we're being available. We're being a little bit more reverent and present than we might normally be in a go, 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 you know, culture. And so that's the invitation, right? Is to, you don't, you don't need the damn mat. You know, the mat is a tool to help you access these places, but what would it look like if you could, access this same reverence, this same searching, this same heartbeat, drinking your coffee, you know, playing with your kid, you know, being in the world. So I hope that's a beginning to your to, to answer because I think it's such a big it's such a big, big thing. <laughs> it's a huge shift in not only the wellness community, but it would be a whole huge shift in our society and culture if we put performance on the back burner and instead we put the action first i think that i remember when i first got into yoga as most people in north america do when they first get into yoga it's very postural focused not everyone but that's that's how we learn we learn asana first and then eventually someone talks about philosophy and then eventually someone talks about yamas and niyamas and some of that deeper learning only comes if you go to a ytt and it can be a challenge in some communities, depending on where you are, to get that education if you don't choose to pay thousands of dollars to do a training program. And then, only then, did it start to filter in to my life. Yeah. I had a, um, a conversation around the world of permaculture and how we kind of bring some more, you know, ideas of sustainability. And even just to say the word permaculture, right, It's it kind of bespeaks a certain level of privilege because it means that you have had some leisure and some time to, you know, and you're able to even think in those terms of like, you know, where's our food coming from and how are we clothing and caring for ourselves in a sustainable way? You know, very, very, unfortunately, you know, many of these things are still very much in the, you know, the rarefied kind of bourgeois land because um, just like you said, you know, most of these things we won't have access to unless we, you know, drop a few thousand dollars, spend the time, spend the money and get this deepening education. And so, you know, one thing that, you know, this, this gentleman was saying who, who spends his, you know, time and energies teaching people about the concepts of permaculture was like, we kept talking, you know, circling back to education is needed, but what does that look like? You know, cause like we want this in the hands of everyone 
which doesn't look like taking a bunch of time off from your life and dropping two to three thousand dollars on a certification program. So what we need to reframe what this education is, you know, and, and it's like you said, most of us, yeah, don't get kind of the meat of the practice until years into it when we've been doing the postural stuff and then we're willing to drop a whole bunch of money on um, this certification, which, you know, hopefully gives us a little bit more depth. But, but yeah, how do we get to that sooner? How do we make that more available to people? What does that type of education look like that isn't like, you know, invest years and years and years of building your asana practice before you even get um, a hint of this deepening deepening stuff, which is, which is really going to impact your life. You talk a lot about tools in the work that you do. And I'm curious if you could talk about it a little bit more. So you, you mm-hmm. talk about having a back pocket toolkit. Can you talk a little bit about what you consider your toolkit, what tools you use to move forward in the everyday? So I think one gift that, you know, a regular, and I, I say regular, you know, I don't have it every single day at the same time, lay up my mat and, you know, go through, you know, my 10 sun salutations or whatever. I, ha- I have a practice and it's pretty, pretty reliable and rhythmic, but it doesn't look like the same thing every day, but it's been there for, you know, over a decade for me. And I think one of the benefits of having a regular physical practice is it's, it's basically reacquainted me with just some of the most basic tools that all of us possess, you know, I'm really relationship with this body, you know, when it goes through seasons and changes and injuries and births and everything. And so just being in connection with this body and its insights and its wisdom, that's a tremendous tool. You know, I I've, I've gotten to the point where I am, I'm in relationship enough with this, this skin suit to where, you know, I will even be, you know, sitting on the computer or something. I'm, I'm writing a, a blog post or, or something, and I can feel in, in me, like on a, a very cellular, you know, in my guts type level, like, you know, I'm, I'll be typing some words and I can just feel in my body that that's not exactly what I mean to say. Um, and that's a tremendous resource. So just being in relationship with this body, you know, it's like, oh, okay, wait, it, it has information to tell me here if I'm willing to pay attention to this, this niggling, this urge, you know, the breath, you know, most of us, I, I say to my students all the time, it's like, so we have a pace that we are encouraged to move at. And while I'm talking to you, I'm like literally snapping my fingers in this rhythmic go, 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 go. And we do, right? We have this pace that we're encouraged to keep in the world that's very caffeinated. It's very quick. It's about getting shit done. And so just this process of slowing down, you know, there's a a pace at which we can move quickly through the world and be efficient. But then there's another pace at which we are available to, to pay attention and which we are able to receive information and not just go, go, go and put energy out into the world. So just this invitation to slow down is, you know, going slow has been an amazing tool for me recently, just deciding like, you know, I'm not going to multitask. I'm not going to do all the things. I'm going to be exactly where I am. And it feels totally counterintuitive in a world that tells me I need to be like constantly connected and constantly striving forward. But I'm going to I'm going to be slow right now. And that feels like a tremendous tool. Um, you know, I've, I've studied a lot in the world of herbalism. 
Um, and I would say the big thing that that has taught me is just that the natural world is a is an ally, you know, from just, you know, as we know, you know, they're doing all these studies now, like forest bathing, like that's a thing, you know, <laughs> you can just go be in the woods and take a walk and take some deep breaths. And that's amazingly restorative. Um, you know, go be by the ocean if you have access to that, you know, there's all the negative ions, like there's science behind this, you know, they've shown, you know, I'll have people come to me, um, you know, when they want to know, like they have a specific condition and they want a whole, you know, they, they, you know, it's like, Oh, I need this tincture and I need this tea and I need this blend. And, and, And that's great. You know, there's specific things you can do with herbs, but you know, there's also, you know, they've done studies that show just the simple act of holding a warm cup of tea that in itself is soothing and regenerative and has a medicinal benefit to it. And so I think just in a growingly, you know, a world where things are getting faster, they're getting more, and we tend to love things that feel more complex, or we're moving towards that, or we trust the, the more complexity. My practices, and they've, you know, they change, they morph over time, bring me back to what is simple. They bring me back, you know, I have this on my client intake form. I have this little um, paragraph in there where I say, we believe healing can be simple. It doesn't have to be a complex. It doesn't have to be complicated. We believe that sometimes the most potent resources for our healing are the things that are the most readily available. And we are just here to open up to those so that we could take advantage of them. And I have to remind myself of that, you know, because I can get into a loop of like, oh my God, you know, I'm so fucked up and the world's so fucked up. So, you know, to to such, you know, a level of complex issues, we're going to need really, really complex solutions. And maybe there's some truth to that, but sometimes it really is just as simple as slowing down, resourcing from exactly what we have and then offering that back out. So, um, yeah, that, that's a big piece of it. It's just sourcing from what I have in me and right around me. Which is incredibly efficient. I think that we sometimes confuse speed for efficiency. And most of us have had at least one moment where the simple, slow answer is the most efficient answer, not the complicated one, not the fast one, not the one where I'm doing 15 things at once. And this goes from micro to macro. It's I'm trying to cook and I'm listening to a podcast or watching a TV show at the same time and my partner is trying to talk to me and I'm like half cleaning the counter at the same time. That is not efficient. Those things are not being done well. And that's just in my kitchen. Now go macro, you know, and it gets really complicated. I think that going slow and listening and using what's, I'm so glad you brought that up, using what's available to you as opposed to, well, now I got to go buy this Mm. gear and I have to sign up for this program and I have to give this person money. And I, because built in with every one of those hurdles is an excuse not to. So don't. So just get on the floor and stretch or take three deep breaths or, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes those simple, simple things are the most efficient do what's readily available to you first. I love that you brought that up. I think that's such a great tool. There was a great podcast I listened to a while back and I wish I could do is Jason Crandall talking 
um, how, especially, you know, as teachers, we see this move towards more and more complexity. You know, we want snappier sequencing and we want all these cool variations. And, you know, he talked about, and this is, you know, a veteran yogi, um, maybe, you know, him just based out of the Bay area. And, um, and he's just like, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's great. It's fun. But like, you know, the most potent yoga postures are, you know, often the most simple and we don't need to, I mean, yeah, it's sexy. It's fun to look at all these cool things we can do with our bodies. But I mean, if you really want to benefit from practice, do some really awesome breaths and mountain pose, get into your trikonasana, you know, like downward facing dog. There's a reason it's a standard, you know? So yeah, just, yeah, that simplicity. I think it's a great micro macro. It's a great example of how we live our lives. We're like, well, Surya is good for you. So I'm going to do 15 of them right away. And I'm not going to pay attention to how I'm moving in any way at all, because my goal is to finish them. Right. And check that box as opposed to ring out the juice in every moment of that practice. What would it feel like to go 50% of the way? Could you stay in alignment better? Like what happens when you do that? I find that some people are really attracted to, to asana classes like that. And some people cannot stand their flow being broken. You know, they just want to go. And I, for me, that sends a little light off in my head. Like this is probably how you behave in life as well. And perhaps, perhaps it would benefit you to do something different in the class. Since we come in to experiment, don't we? I mean, that's, that's how I like to set up a class. Totally. We're here to play and experiment and explore. Right, right. If you want to work out, you can go <laughs> to SoulCycle. Like it's right down the street. I feel like that is, is one, of the, one of the things that we're continually working on how to offer our students. You know, it's just like we have to give them enough of what they love so that they feel tended, so that it feels juicy and good. But it's, I have taken a huge page from um, Julia Cameron, the woman who did The Artist's Way. And, you know, she has this whole thing of creative recovery and, And so she'll give you these prompts, right, at the end of each chapter, at the end of each week's work. And there's a whole slew of them, and she doesn't expect you to do all of them. But her her guidance is to pick the ones that feel totally juicy and awesome and amazing to you, like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. And then pick the one or two that feel really like, ew, no, gross. No, I don't want to do that. Like, that's totally not who I am. (laughs) And those are usually where the most potent medicine is, right? The place that feels really juicy and natural and good that you gravitate towards. And that place that's like, no, no, that's... So, and, and I feel like that's what the continual call is as a teacher is to be able to bring in those things like, okay, I'm going to give you just enough of what feels juicy and good and lovely so that I can bring you to the places that you don't want to go that feel like slow and crappy and bring up all <laughs> your, you know, monkey mind stuff and that feel kind of yucky, but we've, we've held you and tended you well enough that you can go there briefly and and learn how to sit with the discomfort um and i'm still learning how to how to offer that up we could we could geek out i'm sure on you know (laughs) it's a whole separate it's a whole separate show in the middle of while you were talking i was like oh when can i come take your class i'm so ready for that i'm so ready for that i want i want someone else to lull me into a false sense of security (laughs) so that they can take me to like a deep dark place where i can get some work done i do want to talked to you about, we talked a little bit about how using those normal everyday simple tools can help us in everyday life. I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit more about 
not only how we can use those tools personally on an individual level, but how we can use them in our communities for more community growth and healing as, as a larger society, I guess. So I, I was working with a, a client, um, a woman a while back who works in a pretty high stress job as a, as a nurse, um, with a pretty specialized population and she's working, you know, crazy hours as nurses do. Um, and a lot of the work she does is pretty critical, you know, it's not just, you know, fluffing pillows and stuff, which, although that's, that's a good service to offer too. <laughs> um, you know, it's really, uh, it's critical work. And so the stress level is really high. And so some of the work that we were doing, one thing I had her doing, um, is literally we would, we were meeting in her living room and I would have her just start walking, you know, it was like, okay, I want you to walk. I want you to speed up. I want you to speed up, switch directions, switch directions, switch directions, and then pause stop what you're doing, close your eyes, feel your feet on the ground. And I want you to take five deep breaths. And I want you to completely fill your belly, fill your diaphragm, you know, and just feel what it is to feel your breath and your feet connecting with the earth. Okay, open your eyes now go. And we did this a few times. And it was really she's like, wow, you really have a sense for what my day is like, don't you? <laughs> and just this simple thing of like, you know, we said if we're returning back to my feet are rooted in the earth. I have a connection to this, this, this source, this resource, this grounding that is so much bigger than myself. Um, and, and I have the access to my own breath. I can come out of fight or flight at any given moment and I can return to a place of calm within my body. You know, so it's just, and, and, and not that that is the, you know, ultimate, like, you know, well, now all my problems are solved, but it's a, it's a doorway in, and as far as how this shows up in our community, you know, it's, it, it makes me think of like, you know, so there's that thing that we do when we're standing next to someone, right, where we will um, unconsciously mirror their body language if we are feeling connected to them. So someone crosses their arms across their chest. And so we'll find this in conversation, right, if we're really, really kind of jamming on our interaction with them we'll look down and say, Oh, wow. You know, I, I realize I'm leaning my, you know, over to the left and I'm crossing my arms and I'm probably tilting my head a little bit similar to this other person. And we do it unconsciously. So like all day long, we're kind of mirroring back to one another, the energy that we're putting out. Um, and I think there's something to just shifting, taking responsibility for the energy that we're putting out, taking responsibility for how we show up inside of our, you know, the words that we choose, how we show up inside of our bodies. Are we choosing to go, 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 or are we choosing to be slow? Um, and I think there's just something to that. I mean, like we we're creatures of relationship. And if the more that we can be conscious in how we're showing up, the more that we can be um, you know, very, very, very conscious for lack of a better word in how we are choosing to show up in this world and this body inside of our homes, families, communities, you know, um, not that we have to be uptight about it, but that, that just, we, we show up on the daily and say, okay, I want, I want to be of service. I want to be of benefit. I don't maybe know exactly what that looks like, but I'm here to serve. And we mirror that and we put that out I think, I think that has a ripple. I really do. You know, I, um, I had a conversation the other night with a man who for the last 12 years, he has been living out of his bus, uh, his biodiesel bus. <laughs> um, and he goes around to cities all over the country and he, he has free tea parties. 
And what I mean by that is he just, he, he, he goes to like a busy city sidewalk somewhere. He puts out his little sandwich board sign that says free tea. And that's all it is. It's not a sales pitch. It's not a gimmick. It's not some weird cult that you're joining. He literally just wants to make the world more connected um, on a very one-to-one, you know, sweet, intimate level so that he offer, you know, opens up what is his home, essentially. He lives in this little bus and he just gives people, he pours them, a, you know, a cup or two or three or 10 of tea and they en- enjoy a conversation. And I could feel myself just having an hour talking to this man, my vibration shifted. All of a sudden, you know, I'm talking to this man who's talking about making gifts, making offerings, pouring a cup of tea. And it shifted something in me. I can feel how I'm showing up differently inside of this week. And it may not be huge. It may not be, you know, maybe I'm not going to go out and do my life completely differently, but I can feel how I'm showing up differently in the way I speak and interact with people this week, just by learning from his example, learning from the way that he shows up in the world. Um, And so I think that's a piece of it. It's just really, really taking ownership of how we're showing up and allowing that to be an offering, allowing that to be an example, if you will, to the people around us. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. And I think it applies to to not only who you're standing next to or who you're having tea with, but also to how we behave on social media. I think that right now, technology offers us an opportunity to connect, but the opportunity is equal for disconnection. It's interesting then to make that choice or to look at the choices we make as we present ourselves in the digital world. Our potential reach is very wide, maybe more than it would be on a day-to-day basis. Maybe not. It depends on your day. But I think it's because we don't see all those people face-to-face who might be reading what we write or what we repost or retweet or comment on, because we don't see them face-to-face, we don't think that we're having an impact. Just because you're not face-to-face with someone doesn't mean that the mirror neurons aren't in effect. And if you're just saying, this guy's a jerk, and that, and I hate these people, and he's stupid, and if that... Look, I get the instinct. I have that conversation in my head too. But I wonder too if if we shifted. And I think this shift, at least in the bubble where I exist on the internet, that shift feels like it's happening more out from complaining to action. And I love that shift because most of the things we're complaining about, we already agree on. So How do we change it? I'm seeing way more, okay, great. Who's not registered to vote? Can I help you to vote, right? Don't forget to get out there because all of this negativity we're pushing in our interactions is just breeding more negativity. So if we push action, hope, and positivity, can that help move things forward? You know, you're familiar with the work of of Kelly Deals, and I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm maybe your 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 audience, your community is maybe not, but so I mean, her whole work, right, was she spent 
you know, a couple of years, I believe, developing this thesis, right, of the female lifestyle empowerment brand, what she calls it. And that was her, you know, spending some time getting good and pissed off about the way people market themselves and their work, but also educated, you know, so she looked at all these people that were showing up, you know, in a big way in social media and promoting their self, themselves and their work. And she was, she looked for the pattern. She said, okay, this is, they, they're manufacturing authority through, you know, signaling, uh, signaling wealth and signaling privilege They're, um, you know, and this whole list of things. And she formed an entire thesis around this. So then she could organize her work to counter that, you know, it's just like, well, if this is what people are doing, they're showing this perfectly polished view of themselves all the time so that they can manufacture a false sense of authority and charge people money for that authority, then I'm going to show people what it is to really do this work, to have a real life, a real body, a real, real stuff happening inside of this world and this life, real heartache, real, whatever it is. And I think that's like you said, Carrie, you know, we're at that place where it's like, okay, we, we needed, we needed some time. We needed some time to be pissed off. We needed some time to be like, come on people. What is this? It serves its purpose, but we do eventually need to catalyze that into action. You know? So if like, we're complaining about the depiction of yoga and social media, okay, great. Let's form a thesis around this. Let's see what is happening. Exactly. It's performative. It's postural based okay, what do we want it to be? We want to show people what it is to actually live out the principles of yoga. We want to show people what it is to like take it way beyond the mat, way out of the posture, and what it is to be reverent, connected, empowered in our daily lives, in our communities, inside of this world, you know? So I think, yeah, I think what you say, we're there, you know? There's a reason, like, you have yoga for the revolution, right? <laughs> we're ready to take this stuff out of the studio and to really be a presence in this world with the principles that we have we have tapped into. Yeah, I, and I'm finding myself more and more attracted to people who, like yourself, who are yeah, it's a toolbox. Yeah, these are real things. Yeah, it's not just being in a white room with candles and crystals and sage, all of which are lovely. But you don't need that. You you might need less than that. And it goes back to me to what you're saying about use the resources you have. If you have a floor, get on the floor. If you have lungs, what I've found too is because once you start down this this thing, I have a lot of people in my world, um, you know, kind of in the healing yoga community. It can be a never ending, you know, inward reflecting spiral that just it, it never ends, you know. So you start down this path of like, you know, oh well, I need to really up my yoga practice. It's like, oh, and now I need to do a cleanse. Okay, well now I need to. Um, you know, balance my chakras and, oh, I need to do some, you know, past life regression therapy. And then, I mean, I guess all this stuff can be useful, but when does it stop? When do we stop turning our gaze inward to try to become this most pure, perfect version of ourselves, which by the way, takes more energy away from the world that needs some bit of that healing. Like when does it stop? You know, it's, we, we're, we're pure enough. We're whole enough, you know, like even if we're not, you know, <laughs> even if we're living off frozen pizza and <laughs> whatever, you know, we, at a certain point, we have to decide that we're enough. We are whole enough. We have enough resources. We have enough healing to share with others. 
Yeah. 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 There's always enough to share always. And if there's not in the moment, then that's temporary. (laughs) This has been amazing. Thank you, Carrie. This has been lovely. I mean, it honestly has been a great, great start to the day. So I know you work with groups and with individuals. What is that? How does that work show up? I have been doing some more one-on-one work right now. And that has been lovely because that it's, it's so immediate and it's so intimate, you know, because it's like when you work with a group, you really have to try to find these principles, you know, these kind of governing overarching principles where you can have one of a, you know, more of a one size fits all uh, type approach. And there are a lot of principles and rituals and practices you can bring in that'll benefit many. Um, but the one-on-one work right now has really, really been filling me up because I just, I love being able to bring what I have, meet this person where they are at and just open up the whole toolkit. Like, what do you need? What is your specific issue, problem, challenge that you're dealing with? And what are the resources that we can source together to help you move into, through, and past this? Um, So that's been really, really awesome. I just, just this month, um, I'm starting to offer um, a monthly full moon call And that's just basically, you know, kind of a, I guess a webinar style thing. I don't want to say webinar because it's not a sales thing. I just want to connect with people in a, in a, in a, in a way that feels juicy and good and healing. So, um, yeah, so I'm starting to do monthly, um, online full moon calls and it's basically just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll meet, we'll have about two hours where we just kind of dip into what's alive in each of us right now. Where are we feeling joyful? Where are we feeling challenged? Um, you know, what are the pieces of our individual, but also our larger world that are feeling broken and that we need to tend and mend. And, um, and so, yeah, just again, opening up the toolkit and seeing what we have right now in and around us where we can begin to take in, um, you know, gentle inspired action in the places we feel called. So, um, so yeah, that's something I'm offering. And I think the next one's going to be, Oh, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say March 29th, but I might be wrong about that. So (laughs) it's all under backpocketjuju.com. I love doing that interview. I hope you all enjoyed listening to it. I'll have Amy's info up on the show notes if you want to learn more about her work and her point of view on life. In the meantime, keep breathing and live to fight another day. Good day sunshine.